1: 96,000 Dealers present Mr. Van Heflin in Murder of Ancelia, a suspense play produced and edited by William Spears.
0: Oh, Mr. Wilcox, Mr. Wilcox. Well, Hap's sister in law, what brings you here? Well, I
2: just stopped by to tell you Hap has a nasty cold and he can't get started.
0: Cold started? Say, mm-hmm. hey, he should switch to auto light resistor spark plugs. These wide-gap wonders get your car going faster in cold temperatures. Saves gas, too, because they make your engine run smoother on leaner gas mixtures.
2: Perhaps oh, well, he's not long for this world. Long?
0: <laughs> Auto-light resistor spark plugs give him up to 200% longer electrode life. And auto exclusive built-in 10,000-ohm resistor cuts down spark plug interference with radio and television, too. So tell him to see his neighborhood auto spark plug dealer and have him install a set of wide-gap Auto-light resistor spark plugs. He'll feel better because his car will run better. And
1: remember, you're always right with Autolite. And now, with Murder of Aunt Delia, and with the performance of Van Heflin, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in suspense.
3: Ever stick out your thumb and pull out a million-dollar plum? Well, I'm the little Jack Horner that did that. Only my name isn't Horner. It's George Sharples. I was hitchhiking along Highway 70 across the Arizona desert, heading for L.A. It was August, and it was hot. The lizards were fanning themselves. There wasn't much traffic, and nobody had stopped. I'd walked about eight miles outside some little berg, and I was tired and sore. Finally, a black sedan came along. I was all set to holler cuss words at him for not stopping when suddenly he slowed down. He was a young guy about my age. He was alone. Stop in. Well, thanks. I... Well, I sure appreciate that. All right. I'll get you some company.
0: For a second there, I I didn't think you were going to stop. I wasn't, frankly. Well, a guy has to be kind of careful, I guess, huh? You know what changed my mind? (laughs) Maybe you won't like this, but it suddenly struck me that you look like me.
3: Yeah? Yeah, I guess maybe I do at that now that you mention it. I thought to myself, what if that was me walking along?
0: Besides, if you've got a face like mine, it must be an honest person. <laughs> yeah, maybe you got something. Are you going to Blythe? Where's that? Uh, the next town across the Colorado. No, I'm going clear into L.A. Well, I happen to be going through there on my way to Santa Barbara. If you want to spell me at the wheel, we can make Los Angeles by a little after midnight.
3: Brother, you've got yourself a co-pilot. <laughs> By the time we crossed the river into California, I'd learned that the guy's name was Glendon Braley, that he was going to visit his invalid aunt. This aunt didn't own all of Santa Barbara, not quite. The guy didn't volunteer this information. I had to probe it out of him. Between Blythe and Desert Center, an idea began to percolate. And not just from the heat, either. I'll bet your aunt will be glad to see you, Braley. How long did you say it's been? Well, I was ten when I left. That'd
0: make it 17 years. You see, my mother died when I was three, and Aunt Dina took me in. Ah, did she know you're coming? I sent her a wire. Ah, you think she'll recognize you? I doubt it. The reason I'm going back, her husband died about a month ago. He and I never got along. That's why I left Aunt Dina's place. You mean you ran off? No, uh, another aunt in Delaware took me. Then, what with school, and then the Army and getting a job afterwards? Well, I, I just lost track of Aunt Dina.
1: Ah, you got a lot of
0: relatives' niece? No. My other aunt died when I was twenty-one. Zita is the only relative I've got left. Well, I guess that means you're coming to something pretty good someday. Yeah, right? I suppose so. Funny, but the idea sort of scares
3: me. Oh, boy! Would somebody scare me like that? <laughs> I kept pumping him until I could have written his autobiography. Yes, I mean autobiography. I stored away facts about this uncle that he hated, about how Braley used to like to draw pictures when he was a kid, about how he got his only spanking when he was eight for spilling ink on his aunt's favorite tapestry, how he couldn't eat peas, how he got sick on enchiladas at the Santa Barbara Fiesta in 1929, everything. Could I remember it? (laughs) People used to tell me with my memory I I could have been a lawyer, but that takes work. Just east of Indio, before Highway 70 runs into 99, I figured that I was thoroughly briefed. Want
0: me to drive a while, Sharple? No, thanks, unless you want to take over. No, technically, maybe I shouldn't be driving at all. Oh, I've got one of these mail-order driver's licenses, but I doubt if I can pass the California test. You see, Hey, I you know have...
3: something funny? Huh? I think we're getting a flat. All right.
0: Yeah, the car ride's kind of funny. I, I think it's the... Free attire. how this would have to happen clear out in the middle of nowhere. Well, we
3: better shut and take a look, huh? I don't even know if this bears any good. Of course, I may be imagining things, but we better make sure. I'll check it.
0: Well, it's not a
1: soul in sight, either way. Oh, we don't need any help.
0: I hope not. How is
3: it? Maybe you better come and look.
0: <laughs> okay. Hey, come to think of it, there may not be any tools in the car. I've bought it in a hurry off a used car lot. I've got all the
3: tools that I'll need, Braley.
0: Now, it, it doesn't look flat to me.
3: No? Look close.
0: Well, it's still there. It's <laughs> the...
3: I was right about the tools, wasn't I, Braley? <laughs> put the blackjack back in my pocket and I dragged Brayley off the highway into a ditch I made sure he was dead then I changed clothes with him and covered his body with sand and brush I was back in the sedan and on my way and still no other car was in sight I adjusted the rear view mirror so that I could see my reflection I watched the lips move as my voice said George never heard of him My name's Glendon Braley. I pulled into L.A. about 2 a.m. I waited till morning, though, before I went to Rena Zita's apartment. I wanted her to be wide awake when I told her my idea. But Dart it sounds crazy and dangerous, Well, for a million <laughs> bucks, we can afford to be crazy.
2: Suppose Emily finds out that you aren't this guy. Oh very... no,
3: his aunt hasn't seen since he was a kid. There are no other relatives, no connections on the coast or back east for that matter.
2: But I am sure you can carry it
3: off, so though right? Listen Rena. I know everything about this guy, even when he even when he lost his first baby tooth. What do you want me to do? Just stay where I can get in touch with you. be ready to come on up to Santa Barbara.
2: How long will you have to wait to come into this money? The old lady may live for years.
3: I don't think so. She's pretty well along. She's an invalid. You know, a lot of things can happen to an old lady.
2: Well... No, no,
3: it's a real break. I might have done it alone, kid, but I thought you.
2: It's real sweet of you, Doris.
3: Real sweet. Then we're partners? Okay, Doris. Great, kid. But now, look. You get in the habit of calling me Glendon (sighs) Brayley. Kiss me. Glenn. didn't take me long to cover the hundred miles to Santa Barbara. The reunion with Aunt Delia was quite touching. I sat on a low stool right by her wheelchair, drinking tea that her housekeeper, Mrs. Parker, kept pouring. And uh, we talked over old times.
4: Oh, Glennie, it's so good to have you home again.
3: Glennie, nobody with you ever called me that. The kids always call me Glenn or Curly, mostly.
4: <laughs> and how angry you used to get you hated to be called pearly. <laughs>
3: yeah, and, and uh, when I got in a fight about that with uh, Pudge Mortman, you, you sent me to bed without any supper. <laughs> and uh, then you took away my paints and crayons for a whole week.
4: Not a whole week, Plenty. I relented on Sunday afternoon. Yeah,
3: well, I, it it seemed like a week.
4: <laughs> you did love to draw. Oh, uh, that must be Mr. Quittenden. Uh, Crickman. Yes, uh, my attorney. He's been just wonderful to me since your uncle died. Handles all of my affairs. I've asked him to come up to meet you.
3: Oh.
4: I hope you don't mind. No, not at all, Andy. That's all right, Mr. Don't mind it. Come right in, Bryce. Hello, Dina. Ah, you look positively radiant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, Is this the prodigal nephew? Yes, Bryce. This is Pliny. Or should I say... Mr. Crittenden, my nephew Blendon Brayley. How do you do? How do you do? So this is Blenny. (laughs) Well, boy, let me warn you
5: that I know every infamous detail of your crime-ridden career. That is up to the time you were
3: ten years old. No, <laughs> I'm afraid, Annie, that Mr. Crittenden has a, um, a ipso facto case against me. <laughs> no, I I offer this tapestry on the wall as exhibit A. Look. Yeah. Yeah. What do you well, mean? mean? Well, now, if you'll examine it closely, you'll see traces of a stain. Annie, isn't that where I I spilled the ink in? Uh, well, let's see. It's uh, uh, about 1929, right? Why, Lenny. Do you
4: remember that? Well,
3: I certainly do. You you spanked me with a hairbrush. There the accused has paid his debt to society in the case Oh, Glennie,
4: That stain is worth more to me than the tapestry itself. Oh, now, Addie. <laughs> I, I
5: think she means it, Glendon. Your rival's already met him at ten years younger. Oh, how absolutely absurd. In fact, Delia, I think you could get up out of that chair this minute and trounce me soundly at a game of tennis.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: There wasn't any doubt about it. I was in. And Delia's health improved so rapidly that I realized I'd have to think of a way to speed things up. That meant that I had to get Mrs. Parker, the housekeeper, out of the house for good. So I began devising little things to make her appear inefficient. Annie wasn't supposed to have spices, so I sneaked in the kitchen and doctored the food up with pepper. After Mrs. Parker set the heating unit for the night, I got up and turned it off. Annie woke up freezing. And Mrs. Parker became so confused and upset that she began helping me out by forgetting things and making mistakes all her own. Then one afternoon...
4: Uh, Lenny, I know Mrs. Parker means well, but as Dr. Davis says, I've got to have someone I can depend on at all times.
3: Well, I haven't liked to say anything. After all, she's been with you for so long, but, uh, well, the the poor old soul needs a rest. It's
4: going to be difficult to tell her. Well,
3: now, I'll attend to that, Auntie and i'll I'll see about getting another housekeeper, an intelligent, capable younger woman. Hello, Rena. This is me,
2: huh?
3: you know Mr. Braley.
2: Oh yes, how are you?
3: Grace now listen, kid. I'm calling from Santa Barbara yes. Yeah. Get up here right away. Check in at the San Martin Hotel as Rena Derwin. Right. And and wait there till I call you. We're in, baby, but good.
1: Autolite is bringing you Mr. Van Heflin in Murder of Ancelia. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
2: Well, oh, Mr. Wilcox, Hop asked me to return this book to you, your life story,
0: Sid. Oh, you mean Wilcox of Wide Gap? Mm-hmm. That's a great yawn. Uh, yarn. You'd like to hear one of the more electrifying episodes? Oh, sure. All right, listen. There it stood, a huge green monster. I'd been trailing it for weeks. Taking a wide-gap auto-light resistor spark plug from my pocket, I sprang forward. Yeah, yeah, great. Look, I cried out, you obstinate, obdurate auto, it's time you switch to these auto-light resistor spark plugs. You will idle smoother, run better on leaner gas mixtures, save gas. Another thing, your narrow gas spark plugs have been messing up television reception around town. But with wide-gap auto-light resistor spark plugs, you'll reduce to an acceptable level spark plug interference with radio and television. And what's more, Autolite resistor spark plugs with that exclusive built-in 10,000-ohm Autolite resistor give you 200% longer electrode life. So get wide-gap Autolite resistor spark plugs. Get them right now.
1: Remember, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage our star, Van Heflin, in Murder of Antilia, a tale well-calculated to keep you in suspense.
3: By the time Rena arrived in Santa Barbara, I had fixed up a set of references of her ability and character that would have flattered Florence Nightingale and Susan B. Anthony. Rena came out for an interview pretending she was sent by an employment agency I was supposed to have called. She made a terrific impression on the old lady. At a nod from me, Auntie hired Rena on the spot, and Mrs. Parker left with a cardboard suitcase, a month's pay, red eyes, and the sniffles. After we got Auntie to bed that first night, Rena and I met out on the veranda.
2: How was I, George? Shh,
3: that name. Nobody's around, here. Oh, don't take any chances. Call me Mr. Braley all the time.
2: All right. Mr. Braley. How did I do? Perfect.
3: Come on, let's walk out by the bluff, away from the house.
2: Oh, this is sure some layoff. It's great in the moonlight.
3: It'll all be ours, baby.
2: You just plan to live here after it's all over? Oh, maybe
3: for a little while. Depends on how long it takes me to convert her estate to cash. Uh, we can't do anything to excite suspicion now. No? No. Oh, right up ahead there is a cliff. A 200-foot drop onto some rocks. You're going to push her? Oh, no, no. Nothing brutal as that. It's an accident. You take Aunt Delia out for an airing in her wheelchair pushing the chair, you trip, and you fall. The chair starts rolling. You run after, but poor Annie goes over the edge. You are hysterical, with shock. Yeah? What's wrong with you
2: taking Annie for an errand?
3: Look, if I could do it, what would be the point of you being here at all? Look, you're just an employee, and brand new one. You have no reason on earth for croaking her for a dope. They just might get that idea if I was feeling it, see?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. And, and, and
3: that's why it's
2: important for us not to have much to do with each other. It's going to be difficult, though. Mr. Braylor. No one can see us now, honey.
3: Look, baby, now, let's not form any habits that will be tough to break.
2: Just one, kid?
3: Please. Please, I stop that, you little... Oh, baby. Baby. <laughs> next afternoon, Annie and I were in the library. I was trying to look interested in the scrapbook she was pawing through. I hoped she wouldn't notice how fidgety I was.
4: My eyes are so weak now, Glennie, but I know every detail of these just from memory. (laughs) Here you are on your first tricycle.
3: Uh, Well, I'll be darned. Is I ever that small?
4: It doesn't seem possible, does it?
3: Oh, here's what
4: I was looking for. The cow you drew when you were nine. Huh. You were quite the artist. Yeah, that's great. I was a surrealist or something. I colored it green.
3: (laughs) Green cow on purple grass.
4: (laughs) It caused quite a sensation at your school. No wonder
3: I wasn't
1: expelled.
4: Oh, Glennon. I've always been just sick about this picture. One of the few of you and me together. You broke away from me just as the photographer took it.
3: Yeah, I'm just a blur. Say, what's the cat doing in it?
4: Well, don't you remember? It's Cersei's. Don't
3: you remember? Oh, yes, sure. Oh, Zerky, they they purge (laughs) Gee, See, the fun that he and I used to have together. Uh, Of course, I I used to tease him a lot when you weren't looking, but he sure wasn't... uh, uh... What's
4: the matter, Auntie? Lenny, are you trying to fool your old auntie? What do you mean? You were frightened to out of your wits by If Zerky so much as brushed up against you, you'd scream bloody murder. That's why you jumped when the picture was taken.
3: Oh yeah, yeah I did, didn't I?
4: Yeah. I, I... You were that way when you first came here, don't you remember? Poor old Doctor Thompson, he said it was a deep-seated phobia, and you'd probably have it all your life, like Napoleon. Did it go away, Glennie? This uh,
3: this fear of cats. Well, uh, most of it. Uh, you know, a guy sort of uh, he doesn't like to remember what a coward he was when he was a kid. <laughs> Maybe she was satisfied with that explanation, but I I thought she watched me a lot closer after that with her dim old eyes. Rena and I couldn't put it off much longer. I might make a real break. That night, Rena and I set it up. I said, uh, tomorrow, right after breakfast.
2: Oh, you'll come with me, won't you?
3: No, honey, let me, it'll be better if I'm not around. You
2: don't have to be right there, just be
3: where I can see you. I couldn't do it all alone. I don't know. All right, I... all right, but don't lose your nerve, kid. Now, don't lose your nerve. I didn't sleep much that night. The next morning, Rena and I got the old lady in her wheelchair.
4: There you are, Auntie. Well, thank you, thank you. My, but isn't it a lovely day? It certainly is, Mrs. Farnham. Perhaps I'd better have a scarf over my head.
2: I'll run upstairs and get one.
4: Would you mind, dear? I hey, there, there are two scarves uh, here on the sofa. Oh, never mind, Mr. When There's some down here. Oh, all right. Which one do you want, Addie?
3: The uh, green and red one or the uh, blue and yellow?
4: Why, uh, oh, it doesn't matter, Glennie. Either one. Well,
3: this one I think will go better with that robe you're wearing.
4: Yes, so it will. Well, come on, let's go. Wait. Uh, I've changed my mind.
3: What? You mean about going out?
4: Yes, yes, it's it's so much bother. Bother?
3: Nothing. You 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 need some fresh air. I'll Annie. just
4: sit here by the open window. Well, look, you you need some sun. Come along, Miss Ellen. Please, then I I don't want to go. I just want to stay here and rest. Please. Well,
3: yeah, sure. will be okay if you don't want to go. <laughs> Addie finally calmed down, but she still had Rena put her to bed. Then she asked me to drive to town to get her some medicine she was out of. I was hoping the old lady was coming down with something that would save Rena and me the trouble of that last wheelchair ride, but no. Next morning was cloudy and sultry. When I got downstairs, Rena already had the old girl out on the lawn in a wheelchair. She came over to me and whispered,
2: She just wants to stay there, Doris.
3: No ride. No, that's tough. She's going anyway. Come on, right now. Well, she make a fuss? I think two of us can handle a no lady in a wheelchair. But if she screams, so what? This estate as isolated. as Alcatraz. Come on, now. Let's get it over with. Yeah, all right.
4: Starting to sprinkle. Now hurry
3: up. Let's finish this before we get wet.
4: Lenny, Miss Duran, it's starting to rain. Yes, yes, we're
3: coming, I Addie.
4: I knew it would rain today. I knew sure, it.
3: Sure, sure. Well, here, here we go, Addie. You came
4: just in time. I, I thought you'd forgotten me. Forget you, Addie? Well, don't be silly. Oh, my, it's starting to come down. Hurry, or we'll be soaked. Lenny, the house is back that way. Uh, just relax, Addie. Rena, help me push her, will you? Sure.
5: Come on. Uh, let's make this quick. Come on, faster.
4: Glennie, what are you doing? Stop it. Not your help. Glennie, are you hear? I'm frightened. Head up for the cliff. You're not my Glennie, are you? You're not my Glennie. Okay, Rena. Stop me. Let her go. Please. Please.
3: It was done. I looked over the edge to make sure. She was... Dead, all right. I made Rena tear her hose and skin her knee, and I rubbed some dirt on the wound. It's raining hard now. As we got back to the house, I, I heard a car swerving around the last turn on the grade. It pulled up the driveway by the porch, and a man got out. It was Crittenden. Rena. Yes. Get hysterical, Lisa. And limp. Huh? Uh, uh, Mr. Crittenden.
5: Mr. Crittenden. <laughs> what are you doing? Please, well, Something
3: awful has happened. I was just going to phone for you. I don't. can do My What's wrong? <laughs> well, my, my aunt is dead. Oh, Jesus
5: Yes, she. I No, Mrs. Darling, oh, stop my that. Phone. It's not your fault. Well, what's happening?
3: And did uh, you... Asked Mrs. Derwin to, to wheel her over there so she could admire the view. Was this rain... Well, no, it wasn't raining. Miss Derwin tripped and the wheelchair coasted downhill. She oh. tried to catch up, but it, it plunged over the cliff with Annie. Oh, and, good Lord! And I, I, I just stepped out to tell Miss Derwin she'd better bring Annie into the house. And Mrs. Derwin tripped just I'll as... Call ago. an ambulance! Maybe there's still a chance! Crittenden ran down to peek over the cliffs, and I went into the library and phoned the ambulance and the police, too, just to make it look good. I was downing a double shot of bourbon when the lawyer came in.
5: Uh, that poor woman, at least she didn't suffer.
3: Oh, thank heavens for that. Uh, use a drink? No, thank you. Quite a shock.
5: I'll, I'll never forget that that scream oh, when she... Don't you, torture really? yourself. This young woman... Uh, What's her background?
3: Mr. Owen? why, an employment agency sent her out. Uh-huh, yeah. I, uh, it wasn't carelessness on her part, Mr. Crittenden. It, it might have happened to anyone. If it hadn't been for the slope to the edge of that cliff, she'd have caught Auntie in time. I know she... Gentlemen,
2: you. I've lost control of myself. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Mr. Irwin,
3: this is, uh, Mr. Crittenden, and uh,
5: Mrs. Farnham's attorney. How do you do? Mrs. Farnham has spoken of you on the phone.
2: Could I bring you gentlemen anything?
5: No, nothing for me, thank you, thank you. Why don't you sit down and relax? You've had quite a shock. Yes, sit down, Mr. Wynn.
2: Thank you. Well,
5: yeah, seems to be nothing to do, but just wait. I'm a fuss budget about these things, perhaps, but that bust of Shakespeare on the bookcase, isn't it in rather a precarious position? Well, I uh, never noticed. Uh, right over your head there. <laughs> Makes me nervous. I'll, I'll just slide it back. Rather... Top heavy thing. Look out, door, boy! Oh, my, oh. that was close. Barely missed you. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, no, no harm done. Lucky you had the presence of mind to call out, Miss Durin. What was it you called, Mister Brayley?
2: Why? I didn't call him anything. I just Look out, to...
5: Dort. It was what you said. Why did you call him Dort? Why, well, was it was just
3: an exclamation. She saw the statue topple over. Oh, him. and called
5: you by your real name.
3: Mm-hmm. Mr. Gretton, I'm afraid I don't quite see the reason for this uh, this peculiar questioning. I'm sure that my poor aunt would resent your prying into the affairs. I'm perhaps. afraid you're mistaken. This prying, oh. as you call it, is made at your aunt's request. What do you mean?
5: She telephoned me yesterday afternoon to tell me about a strange doubt. A suspicion. About what? About you. Me? Why should she, she have any... was disturbed by the horrible feeling <laughs> that you are an imposter. And he thought that I... Well, that, that's, that's absurd. Your recollections of your childhood here were quite convincing. Except for one or two things. Well, this is
0: all very... <laughs>
3: oh, oh. oh. Oh my fear of cats well people do get over childish phobias after all it's I... more than think... that remember
5: a drawing she showed you watercolour of a cow sure sure the the green cow what about and the scarves remember you thought the blue and yellow would go better with her robe than the red and the green one? well so what doesn't it strike you as peculiar that a boy who could draw quite a fine cow she paint it green And then years later be so exacting about harmonizing his aunt's scarf. You see, Glendon Braley was colorblind. (laughs)
1: by Autolite, tonight's star, Van Heflin.
2: Mr. Wilcox, before I go, do you suppose I could get Van Heflin's autograph?
1: Why, I don't think he'd mind, would you,
3: Van? Not at all. How would you like me to sign it, miss?
2: Well, would you just write, yours for A-L-R-S-P?
3: A-L-R-S-P?
2: Uh-huh. Autolite resistor spark
0: plugs.
3: How do I get mixed up with these commercial characters? (laughs) Well, she can't help
0: it, Van. No one can help admiring those irreproachable, irrepressible, irrefragibly superior spark plugs that mean smoother engine idle, smoother performance on leaner gas mixtures, actually save gas. Autolite resistor spark plugs are just one of the more than 400 products for cars, trucks, planes, and boats made by Autolite in its 28 plants, coast to coast. These include complete electrical systems used as original equipment on many makes of America's finest cars. Spark plugs, batteries, coils, distributors, generators, starting motors. All engineered to fit together perfectly, work together perfectly, because they're a perfect team. So, friends, don't accept electrical parts supposed to be as good. Ask for and insist on Autolite original factory parts at your neighborhood service station, car dealer, garage, or repair shop. Remember, you're always right with Autolite. Next Thursday for Suspense, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz will be our stars. The play is called Red-Headed Woman.
1: And it is, as we say, a tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense.
0: Tonight's Suspense play was produced and edited by William Spear and directed by Norman MacDonald. Music for Suspense is composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Bluskin. Murder of Aunt Delia is an original play by Lou Houston. Van Heflin appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer producers of Battleground, starring Van Johnson, John Hodiak, Ricardo Montalban, and George Murphy. In the coming weeks, you will hear such stars as Bert Lancaster, Mickey Rooney, and Ida Lupino. Don't forget, next Thursday, same time, Autolite will present Suspense, starring Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz.
2: You can buy Autolite resistor spark plugs, Autolite staple batteries, Autolite electrical parts at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to... Good
0: night. night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
3: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the US, more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime.